Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. If you want to listen live in the central Indiana area, you can hear us on 93.5 FM and 107.5 FM. What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard, a pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, the chicken. Double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. That is Matt Taylor mostly and some Rick Venturi thrown in from the Colts radio network. I'm going to tell you what, if you were just going by that alone, you had no idea how that game, obviously, if you were just going by that radio call, was actually going at that moment. Because, honestly, it was one of the worst, visually speaking and enjoyment-wise, up until the win, games that we have ever witnessed. I was trying to think about exactly some of the bad games of the past. And Mike Chappell did a great job of documenting, you know, the games that went without touchdowns that the Colts ended up winning. You go all the way back to the postseason, that jump start to the Super Bowl on that championship in 41, Super Bowl 41, was in Baltimore, and that was a defensive struggle in a lot of Adam Vinatieri. Last night was not that. All right. Everybody has been asking me how you view this. How do you view it? Here's how you view it. You view it through a couple of different lenses, all right? This is multi-layered because make no mistake about it. You don't care about anything but a win. They needed a win. I don't even know if I must win that, but they just needed a win in general, right? And it's extremely weird because if you're going to look back before the start of the season and you're going to peer at the schedule, you're going to go, all right, they're going to win in Houston. They're going to win in Jacksonville probably not going to win against Kansas City, and you may be skeptical about that matchup against Denver on a Thursday night short week. Maybe you expected them to be Tennessee, right? So that's kind of how it looked. But now you reverse it. So they have tied, they have lost, they have lost within their own division, and they have two wins against the AFC West. So that's great. 12-9, and you can go with Matt's call he was incredibly excited because it would be much worse sitting here today talking about how crappy that game was if that team did not get a win. But I mentioned this is multi-layered. It is. It's multi-layered because it's not just about that. We live in the moment. I tell you this all the time because people like to go back and they like to retweet stuff that you tweet about. I always try to make it certain where any tweet that I send out, we know at that moment what is going on. So there's some context to it, right? I always say that things in general, as far as social media is concerned, it's easily lost in translation. I don't want you clowns losing my crap in translation here. I want to know this is what I'm talking about right here. This is what's going on when I'm talking about it there. And this, in fact, is what we're talking about 
right here. It's a win. A 12-9 win, a no-touchdown win, one of the crappiest games we have ever seen to the fact where Al Michaels was accurate. We don't see this very often. This was original. It was pretty stupid. It was very unenjoyable to watch if you want an up-and-down-the-field exciting football game, right? It was original. I found myself, I don't know if anybody else did, I found myself kind of laughing a little bit last night. I don't know if I was laughing at anybody's expense because I felt bad for Bernard Ryman. Bernard Ryman looked like he was halfway between wanting to be anywhere else but playing left tackle and about ready to puke. Anybody else notice that last night? They kind of got that close-up in inside his face mask, and my man was somewhere between, holy hell, I wish I was someplace else, or I'm just about ready to puke on somebody. He was like right there. Now, you think about that offensive line before the game. Are you kidding me in a short week? This is supposed to be the foundational build of this team. The brainchild of Chris Ballard, what Chris Ballard has put together, he has slowly but surely cobbled this team together in a winning form, and he started with both sides of the football, specifically the offensive line. This is what he's put together. This is the level of importance. We're going to pay guys. We're going to draft sixth overall, a left guard. We have great deals of confidence in a journeyman guard and sticking him at left tackle to start the season in Matthew Pryor. Going to make sure our center is set for the foreseeable future. We liked what we did, even though in college, uh, Braden Smith was a guard. We like what he did at right tackle, so we're going to pay him as well. And then obviously the, I guess, most disposable of those particular lineup pieces along the offensive line was that of right guard. You just go ahead and let Glowinski go. Now, Chris Reed ends up as a backup a year ago signing someplace else. But you're kidding me? It was so bad, and clearly they recognized how bad this play is. Not just me sitting here saying, oh, this offensive line stinks. All the foundational building blocks, that is terrible. It's not just me. They recognized it. They didn't practice. They barely walked through in a short week before you had to embark on a flight for Denver for a Thursday nighter. And you flipped the script on three of the five offensive line positions now it's funny because I was on my way back from Westfield yesterday right and by the way I'll explain what we're doing and where we are in just a second I have a lot to get off my chest here but I'm on my way home and I, I start to get texts and things hey boy can you believe actually they're from Denver can you believe what they're doing on the offensive line can you believe what they're doing and I actually had to stop and look for a minute, but basically what they did is a lot of what Rick Venturi talked about in the pregame show, if you guys were listening yesterday. I think he wanted to see Matthew Pryor move to right guard, and then Bernard Ryman, the rookie, start at left tackle and then leave uh, you know, Braden Smith at right tackle. They didn't quite do that, but honestly... If you thought they couldn't make it worse, <laughs> you thought wrong because they made it worse, and everybody is all up Matthew Pryor's rear end right now. And that's what happens, right? In a game in which you give up nine pressures, nine pressures, the most of any offensive lineman in any game this season. When you do that, you're going to be in the crosshairs. 
I'm not going to so much blame him. I'm going to blame Chris Ballard. I'm going to blame Frank Reich, and I'm going to blame Chris Strasser. Because honestly, you took him from left tackle where he wasn't any good and then put him in a position where he was even worse. I mean, even worse. So you put him in right tackle, and then you move Braden Smith on the inside. Man, Pryor was an absolute turnstile of all turnstiles. So while you look at it and you go, yep, he was horrible, he was set up for failure. He was set up for failure by this coaching staff, and he was set up for failure by the general manager who so boldly thought that this guy, this journeyman, can come in here with little to no experience and play that position that is so vital for any team's offensive success and play it well, and he didn't. And then in a short week, you go ahead and you flip it around. And the reason I feel like I'm able to make light of this is because they did win, but they sure as hell didn't win because of that. They didn't win because of that decision. <laughs> and they didn't win because of a high level of play from the quarterback, which I'll get to coming up in a minute. And it doesn't matter how you win as long as you do, right? But the real reason they won, the reason we're able to talk about that today, kind of laugh lightheartedly about it, but still think about, I mean, you really do, right? I mean, you're laughing about it, and they won, but you also, you face palm. I mean, it's a weird situation. Like, you're right in the middle. I mean, and, and I don't blame anybody because I will, and I know you will as well, for lighting people up for where this team is right now because it's not where it's supposed to be. There's a promo of me from early in the week that documents where they're supposed to be compared to where they are right now. This is not it. Or as they say where I'm from in southern Indiana, this ain't it. This is not it. So you can look at this two and three different ways. And I would expect you to, because if there's the one thing we always are here, it's real. We live in the moment of sports realness, but at the same time, you also understand just how incredibly flawed this situation is. And if that's what you do in a short week because you believe that's going to make a difference, and then you got bad on that offensive line, was anybody else, it was like cringeworthy. I felt bad for Ryman. I shouldn't feel bad for professional athletes, right? I mean, they're going to be fine. They're going to get paid a lot. Everything's going to be, they're a professional athlete. I mean, you're not supposed to, but I did. I found myself feeling bad. And then for Matthew Pryor, who was the butt of all jokes outside of the Russell Wilson category, for, for Matthew Pryor, he, just, he got set up. He got set up. He is not worthy to be a starter anywhere on that offensive line. So you start him at left tackle this season, and then you move him around in a short week like that. I, I just I can't believe what I saw yesterday. I can't believe what I've witnessed. And then further, I can't believe that we actually talk about the Colts getting a win in that situation. This team is 2-2-1. Two, two and one. As of right now, they sit atop the AFC South. That's incredible. Incredible with the level of play. And, man, let me tell you what. There was nobody in the history of football on a Thursday night that was more hospitable than the Denver Broncos and quarterback Russell Wilson. I don't know where the other Russell Wilson went. I don't know what this one was right here. What the hell was that last night? You might believe what that was. Like, I don't ever throw this stuff out flippantly, but I thought he looks like he took the Colts. He looked like he was shaving points. 
I mean, he's throwing it. He's throwing it right to other guys. Now, so was Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan was throwing it to other guys too. Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan, a couple of different times. You guys, when he's coming off the field after, I mean, maybe in the uh, second interception, and he's just WTFing it like crazy. There he is. You kind of wonder if, what am I doing? Why am I here? And I know that it was euphoria and it was excitement after the fact, but that game was just so stinking weird. It's like my life in my 20s right there. Seriously, it felt like my life in my, that game was like my life in my 20s. I don't know where the hell I'm going. I don't know where I've been. I just know I, sing, I sound like I'm singing a Whitesnake song. That's, that was me in my 20s. I'm all, that's exactly what they were. They were me in my 20s. Just nobody got arrested. <laughs> me in my 20s. What's happening? But as an end result, this team gets a win. And what they do is they leave us a great deal to discuss today, which is exactly what we're going to do. I mean, not only is this team incredibly flawed, it just isn't any good. But to squeeze out 2-2-1 two, two, right now and probably saved, it didn't save Frank Reich's job. Jim Irsay is not going to do that in the season. Not at all, but uh, Chris Rosser, we'll see. I, I, I do want to know this. I don't know if anybody asked this in the press conference with Frank Reich earlier today. Um, how did they come to the old switcheroo on this offensive line conclusion? Does anybody know? Has anybody heard? Kyle, I don't know if anybody's heard this or not. How, how did you do that? Is it like that game in Price is Right where you put all those little, little numbered chips inside that bag? <laughs> And you pull out these numbers. Wait a minute. Uh, you get you know you get a you get a four digit back in the eighties, right? The car was, you know, something thousand dollars, and you get four spots, and you fill out these digits, and somebody's going to pull out a seven. Yeah, I'm going to put that in a one. That's the first spot. It was incredible, and then for it to go like that was even more incredible. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to remember that. I will remember that. That's like the film Tin Cup. All right? Had you finished second if you're Tin Cup, fictionally speaking, in the film Tin Cup, then probably nobody's going to remember you very much. But they sure as hell are going to remember that 12, that 12 you put up on the final hole, fictionally speaking, of the U.S. Open. They're going to remember that. We're going to remember this forever. You may want to wipe this from your memory bank. You may want to wipe the slate clean, but you will remember this forever. As incredible last night. I could not look away. And in fact, you guys that follow me on Twitter, with about 10 and a half minutes to go in the fourth, Jimmy knows this, I called for overtime. I said, we got to get some overtime for this bad boy. Because I wasn't ready to go to bed. I wanted to see what the hell else was going to happen here. What else was going to happen? And who was going to be able to win this game? No, you got to take that win and run with it. Oh, I don't feel like the Colts won the game. Well, they did. You know how awful it would be? How bad that is in Denver? Hey, by the way, Denver's got it much worse right now. 
because they not only lost that crap fest last night, but they have a $200 million quarterback that looks as washed as Matt Ryan looks for the Colts right now, and they gave away the farm for it. For it. They are on the hook for a guy that looked completely clueless. Anybody else find themselves kind of rubbing their eyes and going, hey, wait, is that that's Russell Wilson? Wait, who? Are you sure that's not like former Raiders quarterback Mark Wilson with a C? Is that him? Who is that? Who is that? Russell what? You sure that's not Jamarcus Russell? Wait a minute, Russell Wilson. Who is this again? It was incredible. Absolutely incredible. I had a fantastic time watching it, and I hope you did as well. Hey, listen, we're all going to get loose, and we're going to be critical because you have every reason to be because this thing is not going in the right direction for the now, for the tomorrow, for next week, or for next year. It's not going in the right direction. But again, as we do, we live in the moment. And the moment has the Colts winning, and the moment has the Colts winning the most ridiculous game that most of us probably have ever seen. And there is a great deal of entertainment value that comes with that. Agreed? We can agree on that. All right, let me give you a good thing from last night. And I got to give props and a shout out. Last week, actually it was earlier this week, I was dogging all over Chase McLaughlin. I was. I dogged on him. Chase McLaughlin got himself in that thin air in Denver and came correct. I mean, you talk about knocking, or in this case, kicking a football stiff. And I know the whole thin air stuff, and that's fantastic. But, man, you talk about burying four field goals and the game winner. And I know a lot of you, just like me, are incredibly skeptical. And, and to me, I ripped on him a lot earlier this week. Shout out to Chase McLaughlin. Shout out to him because that was money. He was the MVP. Anybody have that on your bingo card this season? Yeah, you know what? Some of the thoughts I have as far as the Colts in 2022 – yeah, at some point, Chase McLaughlin is going to be the MVP. Anybody have that? The four field goal MVP? Also, I want to give props to Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce flat balled last night. He balled. Say what you want about the quarterback. Say what you want about the offensive line. Say what you want about the offense in general. He flat balled. He last night, he played to a level in the world's worst game, played to a level that will keep me coming back and want me to see more. Like Chris Ballard, who doesn't talk me into very much, right? I mean, I don't, you know, it, he's not going to pat me on the back and everybody's going to giggle and laugh about crap and then forget to ask about important positions on the team. He's not getting over with me on this whole way. We love our wide receiving room or whatever, especially with the way Desmond Pittman got released and then reclaimed, went through waivers, didn't get claimed by anybody else. But I will be on board. What was it, number 53 overall in the second round? I'm on board with Alec Pierce because that, that was a couple of different things. That was not only going out there and playing, but he, I thought he was ballsy last night. I really did. For lack of a better adjective there, I thought he was ballsy. Because a couple of those passes, he had absolutely no reason to be able to catch him. I mean, you talk about the, the back shoulder fade adjustment. 
or the back shoulder adjustment. How about the, it looked like somebody pulled out a gun and like shot one of Matt Ryan's passes and the name just started fluttering end over end through the air. How in the world was that not intercepted? <laughs> I forget who it was for the Broncos. I don't think it was Sertan. I forget who it was. It may have been that Stearns guy. That Stearns guy was in the hip pocket of Matt Ryan all night last night. I don't know who it was, but how in the world did he not pick that off? And there comes Alec Pierce to make a play. Seriously, he was awesome last night. That excited me a great deal. So you think about that. You think about the playmaking ability. I mean, even on the worst night of all time for Russell Wilson, you think about the playmaking ability of, of Stephon Gilmore. I mean, you can say what you want. Well, I mean, look, look how bad the quarterback was. Look how bad Denver's offense was. Okay, that's fine. But he still did exactly, exactly why Chris Ballard and the Colts brought him in for that type of playmaking ability. And, man, talking with bravado afterwards, too, talking about how they kept trying me and I'm going to have to make him pay, that's Studley right there. I love that. I do. So I was happy with that. Uh, DeForest Buckner had a big play last night. I, I think my, my guy, Yannick Ngakwe, actually did something last night, too. So shout out to him. I hate to see what happened to Quiddy Pay, but it doesn't look, I guess, or sound right now as bad as it looked last night going off on a card. I'm going to tell you, these Thursday night games are brutal. Yeah, that's just not a, a bunch of conversation. That is absolutely legit. Those things are brutal. Coming off in a short week. And uh, Naheem Hines, who clearly they were going to go to, struggle with that first attempt. They went to him a couple of more times. He got absolutely laid out. That was scary when he got all wobbly like that. I hate to see that. Honestly, I hate to see a lot of things. I hate to see where this team really is right now. Because you're right. I mean, it is. Yeah, last night's win does muddy the water of exactly how good or lack thereof this team is right now. Or maybe even better put, where this team is compared to where they're supposed to be. But again, it doesn't have to be one thing. We respond, we react in the moment. And the moment was last night of this team getting a win. The longer term now picture is certainly more cloudy. And what it does, it backs up a lot of our conversations about the way this team has been built, the way this team has been constructed. And if that is it, that is certainly not it. And how you end up wiggling out of that. Somebody had asked me a little bit earlier, all right, so if you were going to go ahead and pick names out of a hat for the offensive line against Jacksonville, like clearly they may have this week leading up to this short week game, how would you do it? Um... A part of this is, and I don't even know where he is. Um, I don't know how healthy he is. I don't know if he is like a myth. But if Dennis Kelly is around there anywhere, I mean, why not, right? Why not try that? <laughs> try that at left tackle for a minute. And Nelson at left guard. I've always liked Ryan Kelly a great deal. Uh, Ryan Kelly right now is not good enough. Ryan Kelly right now, and again, we live in the now, he is not good enough. Danny Pinter wasn't good enough at right guard. Danny Pinter was forced to grab some bench. Danny Pinter came in because Ryan Kelly got injured last night. Danny Pinter, from my eyeballs, did a really good job, and that probably won't happen. 
And this is going to be one of those things because a lot of people like to talk about how Chris Ballard really doesn't matter how much somebody's getting paid. If they need to grab some bench, they're going to grab some bench for somebody that's playing better. Well, if that's ever been said and it has often around here, uh, we're going to see if that is true. Because I don't know how in the world that you look at those two examples, especially last night, and don't just think that the guy that came in for the injured center, Ryan Kelly, was not better when he was in there. Because he looked better when he was in there. He just did. So you look at that. What, Pryor goes to right guard. Braden Smith back to right tackle. I guess that's what I'd be going with this right now. I mean, again, they may put all these names in a bag and pick some guys out. But that was incredible. And if that was your solution in a short week to give it a try, yeah, that's not working. Tell you, that game, that game last night was like me in my 20s. I was all over the map. Anybody else in their 20s all over the map? Devin, you're still in your 20s right now, aren't you? I'm considering you're all over the map. Jimmy, I know Jimmy was all over the map. That's what it felt like last night watching that game. So there's some good. There is a lot of bad. But, again, it's okay to live in the now, and it's okay to discuss exactly where this team is and what it probably won't be compared to the expectations of it. We're live at GG's on the northeast side. I want to thank everybody for listening. We're going to get inside the lounge via YouTube Live. We'll set that up, Kyle, coming up in just a minute. The camera is here. We shall get ready. I want to respond to what you're saying inside the lounge via YouTube Live as well. All right, 239-1070 is the number. I expect significant reaction to that because I went highly in-depth and in full detail about what we witnessed last night, which was, if nothing else, incredibly original. 239-1070 is the number. My email address, by the way, jmv at 1075thefan.com. Our boss, David Wood, said, you know what? I think that other email, uh, other email, we need to make it easier for everybody. So jmv at 1075thefan.com is the email address, at JMV1070 on Twitter. As I mentioned, Facebook Live is going to have us as well. You got the stream. If you want to jump on board, there you can. But I am all about a lot of reaction today from you. I know Wells is going to chime in from ESPN Radio in the four. We got to get a quick one from Bob Lovell regarding this Friday night of high school football. I know we got some big games coming up collegiately tomorrow as well. In fact, I've got some IU Michigan tickets to give away while we're here at GG's as well, so be ready for that. That game's coming up in Bloomington tomorrow at noon. The legend Don Fisher in the 5 o'clock hour, too. I am loaded up for you, though, at 239-1070. GG's on the northeast side. It's kind of weird, but it is a Bud Light Blue Friday with our friend Jim at GG's, one of our favorite stops during any Bud Light Blue Friday is GG's at 71st and Graham just off of Benford, 71st and Graham at Gigi's Bar and Grill. Three pair of Jaguars Colts tickets to give away while we're here. So hustle ass on over. Join me. You can sit and hang around with Jimmy. He's got his Padre outfit on. Kind of the old school and the new school right there. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the Gary Templeton days, but also the new school flair of the Padres with Jimmy while he's here. We got three pair of Jaguars Colts tickets to give away. And I do want your thoughts Your full-scale thoughts on what took place last night as well. 239-1070. Pacers Knicks tonight at 730. That's here on the fan. Major League Baseball's wild card games are officially underway. 
with Cleveland in the books with the win over Tampa Bay a little bit earlier. The Cardinals and the Phillies in action right now as well. We'll keep you updated on all that and more. But in the crosshairs, the Colts in a win last night in what was one of the worst games we have ever witnessed. But at the end, the Colts win, so there is some feel-good to it. We'll talk about that and more at 239-1070 next. The Ride with JMV. Look at all those ding-dongs. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. And second down long. Pulls down a shotgun snap. The Colts come around the end on a blitz. The ball is out. They get a sack Buckner. inside the 30-yard line. It's DeForest Buckner with a strip sack on Russell Wilson. And for Buckner, that's his first sack of the season. Matt Taylor with the call right there. Rick Venturi interjected. Colts Radio Network. I, I tell you, the defensive line, they got they got after Russell Wilson some last night. No question about that. GG's Bar and Grill, northeast side. We're at 71st and Graham on a Bud Light Blue Friday. I've got three pair of Jaguars Colts tickets to give away and eight pair of Michigan IU tickets for tomorrow. So, again, hustle ass over here for that. All right, Colts won. That's fantastic. We're talking about that. The reshuffling of the deck on that offensive line may have been one of the most ridiculous decisions that we have ever seen, honestly. You get a you start a rookie at left tackle that clearly wasn't ready, and then you put a guy that is, um, well, stiffish, basically stiffish on the other side. What in the world? What in the world? I hate to remind you because we're getting to a point where it's just comical. That's the highest paid offensive line in the NFL right there. And worse yet, that is the foundation of Chris Ballard. That's incredible to me. It's fantastic that they won 2-2-1, two, two and one, outstanding, but... Can we make an ounce of sense? I guess, as Kyle and I were talking about during the break, they ran the ball better, I guess. Sometimes you kind of wonder if, well, do you run the ball better because of that or do you run the ball better because really you don't have to sink a great deal of money in a running back? I mean, you can look at that two, a couple of different ways if you want. But, man, was that thing... A messy success last night. It's success because you won. But longer term, this thing is an absolute mess. No question about it. Just incredible. 239-1070. All right, phone callers, let's see what you got. Henry, we're going to start with you. Hello, Henry. How are you? Yeah, hello. How you doing? Henry, I'm fan-stinking-tastic. Thank you very much. I've been listening to you for years, and uh, you make a lot of sense. There's two points I'd like to make because I know it's so, okay. other, so many others that want to talk. But uh, the first one is it's just a hypothetical thing. I wonder, since going back to when Luck uh, uh, decided to retire, and he, you know, I think they, him and uh, Prezet were pretty good friends. I thought they were, they didn't really give uh, Prezet a chance to show himself. Uh, you know, it might have helped a little bit. The other point is. Uh, I've never seen an offensive line that, that is, is – I, I played the game, and I've never seen an offensive line that just sits down on the – are they trying to get him fired? Are they trying to get – Well, I mean, somebody – somebody, unless – see, that's why I mentioned this, Henry, a little bit earlier. I, I want to know how 
you come to that conclusion on what you did in a short week last night with the starters on that offensive line? Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I want to know. I, I mean, I'm assuming, obviously, everything's going to run through Frank Reich, so he's ultimately on the hook for that. But that, was that – did they get in the lab somewhere and go, you know, this is Chris Strasser and this is what we're going to come up with, and Chris Ballard, this is what I, – I mean, what in this world – Going did on. they think was going to happen with that, Henry? Seriously, I just uh, I, I I feel that uh, I heard a, a, a sports announcer last yesterday on ESPN say "fire in the belly, fire in the belly." It's like I didn't have to be motivated by the coach to go out and play the game. I wanted to win. I was I was about winning, and I, I don't understand this group. This this group has me puzzled. This whole hey, is, is, yeah. is, Henry, it seems like is, yes. is it a curse on the team or something? I mean, with all the injuries oh, there. I just think that um, I think that they have a lot of suck in them. Ooh. If that's if that. Yeah, I think they do. I just think that a lot of this stuff um, that we've talked about, that we have heard um, is not, especially in terms of what they believe in this team um, is not realistic and, and certainly not what we're seeing, Henry, if that makes any sense to you. I I, um, yeah, you I try I, hard and you try to be, it seems to me, I listen to you, you try you try to be diplomatic. You try to, you know, give, give the, and you did bring up good points because there was good points. I like Pierce. I love Pierce. I look, I like what he's bringing. And, uh, you know, if they give him chance, if they give Ryan chance to throw the ball, I mean, Ryan can't throw the ball. It's just, it's just crazy. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, Henry, thank you for the call. I'm still not quite sure he can throw the ball. Uh, <laughs> but I will say this, there's really not too much time where he's not running for his life. Can I ask somebody this, Kyle? Can you help me out? When, when they were moving the ball at the end of the game, did it seem to you like they started to go with some shorter routes, some quicker rhythm? Because I scream, for God's sake, when you go to the half, can somebody get on the chalkboard and write up some, some quick rhythm throws? I mean, at all, instead of, you know, these five-step drops where you know what's going to happen, you know that the pass protection isn't going to hold up. I, I could be wrong about that, but it seemed to me, you know, obviously there were a couple of differences there. I mean, one was a flutter ball that Ryan had thrown, but it, it does seem like that they maybe at least – put in a couple of quicker rhythm is is that just can they not are they not allowed to do that is there something written on the wall of rules that says you guys can't do that i mean they, they did it for philip rivers and see that's why with this offensive line everybody thought two years ago with philip rivers that you know with a great pass protection you know that was a great season for the old line i don't think we ever knew because philip rivers after the start of the season when he got roughed up a bit they finally figured out that going with quick rhythm was going to be good for him and basically you know he yelled snap and that ball was gone i mean and, and this is on the offensive line but it's also on matt ryan at some point at some point you gotta know you're not gonna have longer than a second and a half to do anything I know that that stinks. Do you have any place for that? I mean, anything whatsoever? Instead of guys running 10 yards down the field and then looking back, anything. I just kind of wondered. It looked like late in the game, maybe that adjustment was made. But I kind of had tears in my eyes and kind of tears of joy because I, I was soaking this up. I really was. I was enjoying it last night. I, I thought this is... This is awful, but this, at the very least, is original. 
because you had the whole world, the whole football world last night became privy to what I have talked about regarding the foundational build of this team. The whole football world discovered that last night. The whole football world probably, for the most part, hadn't been paying attention. I mean, you just kind of blindly say, hey, you know what? Yeah, this team is disappointing. But there are reasons as to why this team has been disappointing so far. And the way that it is built, not just for the present, but for the future, is not just flawed, it's broken. And it's failed. Because you tell me how in the world any of this is going to work out. How is it going to work out? I get playing for the now because you have to. That's why we're celebrating that win last night. But how is any of this going to work out? How is that combination of lack of any pass protection last night whatsoever and a 37-year-old quarterback who, honestly, at times, he kind of moves better than I thought he might. But the end result is the same. Either he fumbles or he throws just a not-looking-down-the-field interception. It's, It's incredible. But yet they won. It was a very original game last night, if for nothing else. Brent is up next at 239-1070. Hello, Brent. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, Brent. Hey, how are we doing today? I'm just fantastic. I'm sitting here drinking some ice-cold Bud Lights and talking about what the hell I witnessed last night with everybody else. Go ahead, Brent. I heard that. Hey, I like to look at some of the good parts of last night. Um, Special teams played well. We kicked good field goals. Um, defense played. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I think Matt Ryan is playing better than we all give him credit for with what he what with what the the card he's been dealt. So are you suggesting are you suggesting he could be worse? <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just curious. <laughs> so wait a minute. The team can't be much worse. I'm with you, but I will say this: why yeah. can't why can't we why can't we call Call some plays to to misdirect or or do something different than running you, right at these. Can guys you run? We don't can you run two yards? Run. That's why. Hey, Brent, I was asking during the half on Twitter last night. I said, "Can you please go in there and draw up something quicker here? Because these drop back passing situations are not working. Can you drop something different?" And I swear to you. They came out in the second half and did the same damn thing, except that final drive, when they moved it down the field, it looked like they changed something up to me. I'm not sure. I'd have to ask, but that's the way that it looked. Yeah, and the, the running plays is what gets me. We have a terrible line, but we still run between the tackles every single time we run the ball. It's crazy. Hey, Brent, thank you very much for the call. You have a great weekend. I, I would like to think that hopefully Matt Ryan can't look worse can't look worse it's like the offensive line too because i know he puts up numbers but you see last night i mean the fumbles continue i mean honestly you sat there last night tell me that i'm wrong you sat there last night and you were happy after a couple of plays that he held on to the ball it may have been for no gain it may have been for a loss but you were simply happy that he held on to the football. Where the hell are we? Consider our level of expectations last night compared to what they were at the start of the season. We all have to be completely drunk. All have to be completely drunk. Consider that. Look how your expectations fell considering what you were 
hoping, wishing, looking for last night during that game compared to what you thought at the start of the season? It's frightening right there. All right, 239-1070 is the number. Uh, Derek, go quick for me before the break. How are you, Derek? I've been better, man. Last night was uh, an absolute struggle. Um, hey, let me tell you this. Just stay aroused because they won. But that thing is probably going to go a little bit soft on you sometime because at some point reality is going to set in against a better team. But, yeah, embrace the fact that they won, Derek, if that's what I'm you're looking for. To, man. I, just, I, just, I feel like I've been sold the bill of goods on a lot of different areas of this team. Um, all I heard all preseason was how good Matt Ryan was in camp, how quick he was getting the ball out. And I know the O-line's been atrocious, but even when he's had time, right. he's held on to the ball. Yes, or, or he's missed guys. He's overthrown. Yes, it's exactly right. He's no doubt. He's trying to be Lamar Jackson out there, and uh, he's fumbling, getting sacked and all that. And I get the tackles are terrible. I mean, uh, Pryor gave up more pressures last night than anyone in one game all season, so I get it. Um, but, man, also, the defensive ends. Like, we were told that these guys were going to be good. Uh, Deo, Pay, all these guys. We mm-hmm. can't get any pressure off the edge. It's yeah, crazy. I mean, and, and Gakwe, I will say this. Up the middle, they were getting some pressure up the middle, and Gakwe got in there once for a sack. But, I listen, yeah, we've been shortchanged on that deal so far, too. And I, I among anybody else, was probably the most excited about having him come here. And, you know, last night he got a sack, but – for the most part, uh, not much to show for the effort of the offseason trade. Agreed. And, and again, yeah. he's exactly what the PFF guys, Ben Brown, told me before the start of the season. He's become rotational because he's, yeah. not, he's not in there during the running plays because they run right at him. So he comes in there in the obvious passing plays. So that's, that's yeah, a great but, deal of disappointment you know, for me. Yeah. The bad part of it all is, is- – there's a lot of teams with cap space out there that went out there and got some protection for their quarterback. Uh, Miami got that left tackle for Tua. Uh, a couple other teams went into free agency and grabbed some tackles, and, and we just thought we'd be okay with undrafted guys and late-round guys and really just patchwork. So, I, I, I cannot believe what Chris Ballard was thinking in his belief that Matthew Pryor could be the starting left tackle much less be a starter anywhere on this line. That, that floors me. It, I mean, after yeah. last night, that absolutely floors me. And I, I still would like to know how they came to that conclusion of that starting lineup, man. It just, in the way that it performed, it was much worse than what we have seen so far. We didn't think it could get any worse. Derek, you have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Thanks for taking my call. Gigi's Bar and Grill, Northeast Side. We're at 71st and Graham. I'm looking for you here on a Bud Light Blue Friday. I'm telling you, I've got eight pair of Michigan IU tickets. If you want to head down to Bloomington tomorrow, we got three pair of Jaguar Colts tickets to give away a week from Sunday. We just got to see you here. Great food, ice cold Bud Light, and more. Mike Wells of ESPN Radio in a bit. We got on the way Don Fisher, but more of me and more of you. And inside the lounge via YouTube Live where there's no camera, but there, I guess there is a camera in studio, but there is plenty of us going back and forth in what is outstanding Friday conversation. Quick break. Back with you next. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Are you kidding? You think I'd join this crummy snobatorium? But this whole place sucks. 
That's right, it sucks. 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Wilson fakes it to Gordon. In the pocket, throws up field, picked off by the Colts into the end zone, and the Colts are still alive. It's Stephon Gilmore. Knife in front of the pass, and the Colts will take over. A touchback into the end zone. Interception, Stephon Gilmore. I'm going to tell you what he brought it last night. That's exactly why, regardless of just how horrible the game was, just regardless of that, that's the exact reason why you go out and bring him here. So that's where you give the organization credit because that paid big even in the crappiest of games last night where you don't give them credit is how in the world they ever came to the conclusion of that offensive line. What has happened to that offensive line? Live in the moment of a win. Like somebody had just told me a little bit earlier, hey, this kind of feels like a loss. B.S. No, it would really feel like a It would be like a double loss if we're sitting here talking about them losing that crap fest last night. Denver was not going to let them lose. Russell Wilson was not going to let them lose. So to me, it doesn't feel that way. To me, the negative feeling is, where the hell is this thing going? Where is it going? All this time, this effort, the years of putting something together, five and six between coach and general manager, and you have a game like this. I think we all understand this is not like a blip on the radar. It's not like a bump in a road. That's more... That now is more like how that line plays. That is not the exception to the rule. That's normalcy. Where are they? Where are they going? It's okay to celebrate the moment. You're 2-2-1. Two, two and one. You're right now atop the AFC South. That's fantastic. But where is this group going longer term? That is stuff we'll get into. I'm not trying to pull the proverbial fire alarm on you. Oh, we got to describe. I'm telling you the truth about this thing. It's okay to look at this different ways. It's okay to look at it from a standpoint of you get a win in the world's crappiest game. Yeah, I don't feel at all like it's a Colts loss. What I feel is that the foundational building blocks that Chris Ballard has cobbled together have crumbled and failed. And I don't see a solution, especially with that offensive line and especially with the quarterback. All right, quick break. We'll come back with you. Actually, we're not going anywhere. I'm sorry. GG's Bar and Grill, Bud Light Blue Friday on the northeast side, 71st in Graham Road. I've got tickets to give away, so you got to hustle ass up here tonight, all right? Hustle ass up here so we can drink some ice cold Bud Light, eat some of the great food, and I can give away some tickets to you. Jacksonville Colts game a week from Sunday. I've also got Michigan IU tickets for you as well. Bob Lovell's going to join us, brought to you by CarX, coming up a little bit later on. We also got Don Fisher, voice of Hoosiers, coming up a little bit later on. Mike Wells of ESPN Radio is with us. Did you remember a game that you covered with the Colts? that was at the level of awful as that one was last night? I mean, even with the win, any recollection? I mean, Jay, in all my years of covering them, um, the only ugly, ugly, ugly game like that 
was the game against Jacksonville in 2018 when Luck couldn't lead them down the field for a touchdown. What was that, like a 6-0 yeah. game or something? That right. was that was level of ugly because you're thinking, okay, you know, Luck's going to score. But last night was atrocious, and thank goodness that I was able to miss the first quarter because I was picking up our girl Layla from basketball practice. But I, I watched from then on, and that was flat-out atrocious. Props props to the Colts' defense for the defensive side of the ball, the Colts. Props to Grover Stewart and special teams with the blocked field goal. But that offense, that offense is just brutal. Yes, no Jonathan Taylor. Naheem Hines, you know, unfortunately left, you know, in, in the first quarter after that hit. But the, the, the constant change in the offensive line. I mean, it was just a couple of years ago where it was looking like the Colts we're going to have that foundation. They go out, they've paid all, they've paid Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, because they want to win in the trenches. And now they're out there basically closing their eyes and trying to put pieces of the puzzle together up front. Matt Ryan can't, can't hold on to the football. Thank goodness for Alec Pierce last night. This football team, yes, I, I'm not going to discredit. They did what they have to do. You know, at the start of the season, who would have thought that their two wins were going to be against the AFC West, the team, you know, the division that supposedly is the best, that was supposed to be the best division in the NFL this season, and their two wins are against them while they've yeah. got losses, two losses in the division and a tie in the division. Nobody would have, I don't think many people would have guessed that, but it is, they're just playing ugly, boring, not want to watch style of football right now. And while you look at them 2-2-1, two, two, and one, and that's great for the moment, but as I mentioned coming in, and I mentioned this going back to even last week, what Chris Ballard has put together with his level of importance, especially monetarily and contractually, not only is it not working, Mike, but it looks broken and it looks like a fail. And while we live in the moment and you get a win 12-9 to nine, and that's great, you look further down the road, and, and this is going to hamstring this team if they don't find a solution, which I don't think they're going to. This is going to hamstring this team for a while. It really is. And I think you really saw that last night. You not only saw it two ways. You saw it on the field, and you saw it in the way where they decided to change up that offensive line in a short week with no practice before the start of that game was flooring to me. And then the result that you got in that short week and changing that, that offensive line is ridiculous. I don't know how they came to that conclusion, but that was even worse than what we had seen prior, and we thought that that would be impossible, yet they hit that stride last night. Listen, Jay, you can't say the word. You, can't say, you cannot say the word prior. I know you were just saying prior, to, you know, before, mm -hmm. but when people, when people, you talk about the Colts and you say the word prior, they automatically think of, I think of Matt Pryor. But you made a great point, the fact that it's a short week and they just threw another group out there. And it did not work. I mean, Matt Ryan was, was sacked six times last night. And if I'm a Colts fan, knowing that the pieces aren't there to make a run in the AFC, the more they win these ugly type of games, the more I will be saying, damn, they're hurting our chance to move up the list, to, you know, move up in the draft to finally, you know, select a quarterback in the first round. So people, you know, I, I, you know, of course, we all pay attention to Twitter. Well, they're sitting atop the AFC South. Okay, you went. Uh, let's just say they win the AFC South and get to the playoffs. And not, they're not going to win a Super Bowl. 
they're not gonna they're not gonna make a deep run in the playoffs, and then you're stuck once again with a mid to late first round draft pick, and you may you you're probably not gonna take a quarterback that late late in the draft, and all of a sudden the Colts are spinning their wheels again because as of a much of a quote unquote pro veteran that Matt Ryan is, what is there to say? Okay, this guy's gonna get going, and he can you know take over yeah. and lead this team. Down, you know, for the rest of the season, on, as far as production wise, he's throwing interceptions. He can't hold on to the football. He's getting sacked over and over again. It, it is just, it's, it's, you know, wash, rinse, and repeat cycle. That's what's going on hey, with, with hey, the Colts at the quarterback position. Mike, he is, it is, it is so eerily similar with what we have seen from him as to what we had seen, and actually worse with him than what we had seen to this point with Carson Wentz a year ago. I mean, it, it, and that's that's not what they were hoping for here. That's exactly what they got, certainly with that. And here's the other thing regarding Matt Pryor. Um, Matt Pryor was terrible last night and has been bad most of the season. There is no question. But I will put more of the focus on those that felt that he was going to be good enough to play left tackle and then felt that he was going to be good enough to play right tackle because he's not good enough to do either one. So who in the world comes up with that decision, and how do we roast them adequately enough? Because to me, I mean, if you can't tell that he can't play that, why do you put him in that situation? I blame them more than I do anything else. Well, I'm playing him because he can't produce, but then the fact that you're not blaming, then I'm going with Strauss on the O-line, Frank Reich and believing in him, and Chris Ballard for not addressing the left tackle position. The, the the blame can be spread all across the board, Jay. I don't think you can you can pinpoint it on just one specific person. It is on multiple people, multiple people for you know from evaluating standpoint, saying okay, this guy can get it done. We're gonna go with him, and no, 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 it's not working on left tackle. So let's put him at right tackle and move our guy, the guy who's been starting at right tackle since 2018, slide him over one spot to play right guard. <laughs> And then it's like they're they're at the point now of hoping and praying that you know they're they're rolling dices and rolling you know some dice and hoping that it's going to come up the way they want and it's going to work out. We all I think we can agree. We all when you when you sit there and try to take that type of risk, all you're going to do likely end up doing is just embarrassing your ass. You, you know what's funny about that is, and I've heard Chris Ballard say this before, especially with me in terms of. You know, wide receivers. I'm Mr. Wide Receiver Guy, wide receiver guy. And he has responded before, not necessarily directly to me, but in just in general terms about it. Well, hey, this is not fantasy football. They played that last night like it was fantasy football. That's completely counter to what he has said before about, well, this is not fantasy football. You just can't do that. Exactly what they did last night was exactly what you would do in fantasy football, not with an offensive line, but with shuffling around players at the last possible minute, crossing your fingers, hoping you have a better outcome when you know logically there's probably not much of a chance. That's more fantasy football than all of us screaming and yelling about getting some pass catchers in that room. That is definitely more. And that's the first thing I thought about last night, especially when that move started to go downhill and started to fail. (laughs) What's funny about it is, um, you know, in the past, like, okay, the Colts can't beat Jacksonville and Jacksonville. They can't beat the Jaguars down there. And, you know, they'll take care of their business at home against the Jags. Listen, there's no cakewalk for the Jags, especially who knows 
how long Darius is going to be out. Uh, and I'm not talking about the con- concussion, but, you know, dealing with the, the nose situation. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Taylor on the high ankle sprain. Now Quiddy Pay, uh, I think Rappaport reported his high, high ankle sprain, which means that is numerous weeks when you're dealing with that situation. Hopefully Naheem can get out of the concussion protocol out there. So it's not like, okay, they got a long weekend. They, got, they have, you know, they don't play again for another nine days. The, the issues are going to continue to, between the injuries, the offensive line, the Matt uh, Ryan um, problems that he's having. Thank goodness that this defense is, is, has really stepped up. I mean, they, they, this, this defensive unit has played well. Thank goodness they have that out there because uh, for Frank Reich being an offensive coach, this offense stinks. It's not out Yeah, That's what it does. Yeah, it, it does. And you know what? You bring up a great point. Mike Wells of ESPN Radio's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. While, you know, I'm ripping on Chris Ballard, and rightly so, you know, for the determination on this offensive line in general, and then going into last night's short week game like that, you do give credit because Stephon Gilmore made plays in a fashion in which was the very reason why they decided to bring him in. And let's face it, as much as Chase McLaughlin won the game, with the kick, as much as Grover Stewart won the game with the blocked field goal attempt, Stephon Gilmore won that game last night with those huge defensive plays. That's exactly why they got him, and that has worked. Yeah, they, it completely has. Listen, uh, for the first time in a long time, you heard the name DeForest Buckner out there doing some things. I mean, he had, what, eight, eight tackles, if I'm not mistaken, uh, a sack out there. So guys are stepping up, but... Stephon Gilmore, I, I I don't know about you, but when they signed him, I I was like, okay, ooh, yes, he was a former defensive player of the year, but is he on a decline of his career? Listen, Russell Wilson kept trying to test him, and Russell Wilson ended up uh, having to walk out of the stadium with the tail between his legs because Stephon Gilmore was the best defensive player on the football field for the Colts last night. Russell Wilson was absolutely clueless. I I kept I said this earlier. Um, I, I thought. I kept rubbing my eyes going, is that Russell Wills? Is that Jamarcus Russell? I mean, who is this person out here throwing this, this football like that? And it, 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 it again, it, it's not stuff that would seemingly be that difficult between that and Nathaniel Hackett and the play calls. I mean, you talk about absolutely taking yourself out of any possibility of winning. The combination of head coach and quarterback for Denver did the Colts a huge favor last night with that. It was atrocious. Well, yeah, so between that and Chris Jones' idiotic uh, penalty, the Colts should feel very fortunate inside that organization that they have two victories. You know, I, I, I say I give, them more, I give them more credit on winning the game last night than I do in uh, the Kansas City game, even though, it, you know, they only have four field goals. I give them credit because the defense stepped up. Kansas City gave the Colts that game two weeks ago. Uh, but the Colts, from a defensive standpoint, won it. But, God, you, you got to find a way to score points. I mean, this team is averaging, you know, barely, you know, less than 14 points a game. Yeah. Who, who yeah. would have ever guessed that? No, no. And they're, they're, hey, Mike, they're not going to find it either because I, there's not a solution there. There's just not. And it's it's kind of like this offensive line right now. There, there's no adequate solution. I think you kind of just got to go and try the way that it was unless you want to. May wave a magic wand over Dennis Kelly if he's able to play somewhere out there. There's there's just no solution right now for the offensive line or that offense. And, 
you know, you're going to have to play through it just like they played through it last night to win. 2-2-1 two, two and one of the season, which is crazy. But at the same time, you look for the future and you look for not even, you know, the, this season future, Mike, but the, the even longer-term future. Uh, that is so incredibly problematic for the way this team is built. And that's kind of where they are right now. So, so let me. I think I know the answer, but I want to ask it uh, on the yeah. air. So, you had more faith in the Colts getting it going, getting you know, getting going when they started with one and five in 2018, than you do right now with the fact that they're sitting at two, two and one. Yeah, because I, I think we've we've run out of adequate definitions. Like, I'll give you a great example, Mike. Like last year, everybody kind of just waxes poetic about, oh, last year. Oh, you see what they did last year? Mike, last year sucked. They started out stinking, and they sucked at the, at the end. I mean, that, that's, not, that's nothing you go, hey, that's great. And see, that's kind of what I look at last night. You found yourself last night just like lowering the bar. I mean, all the way to the floor. And that's kind of where we are with last night. That's kind of where we are with this team right now. You just continue to lower the bar and go, well, you know, uh, we had all these big expectations to win the division for the first time since 2014. And, you know, obviously we're at top of it right now or whatever. But you, you can't dismiss the play in which we're seeing. Because, Mike, it's not supposed to look like that. It's just not. And that's, that's where we are with this whole thing right now. So, again, um, until I see otherwise, until I'm proven otherwise, this offense, this offensive line, this quarterback, the skill set, obviously without Alec Pierce, Alec Pierce I thought was manly, beyond manly last night. Um, outside of that, uh, there's not really a lot to write home about, Mike. No, I, I did. I, I, I sure uh, hope you laughed at this, too, when you saw Earth State's tweet that an ugly win is a beautiful thing. I'm like, seriously? Yeah. Yeah, I, then people, I, I, people automatically go, well, you know, you didn't say very much after that bad loss against Tennessee. And, yeah, I mean, sometimes you just ought to, you ought to chill. But, I, again, I'm not going to say don't celebrate it. I want people to celebrate it. Yeah, people say, you know, that burned my retinas. Like these two nerds in Denver were saying, uh, we, 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 we want to apologize to the people watching. You know, you can shove that apology up your rear end, two guys and nerds in Denver. I, I enjoyed it. You want to know why? Because at the very least, it was original, Right. I mean, in all these myriad of games we have to watch every single night, basically, of the week, there was some originality there. And then we're not talking about a team in this market in particular that went home with a loss. So you talk about a win, you talk about originality. I'll take that on a Thursday night. I just don't like what's going on further down the road. That's, that's what the frightening aspect of this organization and this team and, and how it should be viewed right now. That's, that's the problematic part. Thinking big picture, I love it. I love it because, uh, I mean, honestly, I, I feel like this franchise, is, is, they're struggling to even tread water in the pool, right, in the ocean right now. They're struggling to tread water because when you look down the road and say, okay, the, you, I don't think anybody can say the future is bright in this organization. Nobody yeah. can say anything about the future in this organization is looking positive until they figure out who the heck their starting quarterback is going to be long-term because the revolving door is not working. It, it worked one time. It got them to the playoffs against the Buffalo Bills. That is the only, only time that has worked since, since Lux retirement in 2019. You can't get away with trying to cut corners at the most important position on your football team. Cutting corners 
is not going to work for you. So Mike Wells of ESPN Radio, and we gave everybody the good and the bad, and there was certainly good, but there was a hell of a lot of bad last night, Mike, without question. Hey, give the lovely Layla our best, won't you, too? Have a fantastic weekend. Are you going to the game tomorrow? Are you Michigan? No, 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 no. I am uh, I'm chilling. I'm, I'm, I'm laying low, good. man, and... I, I think I'm saving myself for IU basketball games, man. That's what I'm – for men and women. Because, <laughs> hey, um, North Carolina at IU in women's basketball, Jay. Let's get, oh, yeah. let's get, re, let's get reunited with the hot shots. Cause we got to get the hot shots together and go to that. Yeah. Layla, Layla has already said – she has already told me. I didn't, I didn't tell her she was going. She told me we're going. So, that would be great to get the hot shares, little, little pregame mother bears, and then uh, head on yep. over to uh, – Check it out. Well, we, we all know this. We do whatever the lovely Layla wants us to do. So, yes, yeah, we're, we're doing me. it. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, and I'm, I'm still butthurt two weeks later that I missed out on the concert. But I'm not going to mess with yeah. about that. Hey, hey Jay, I, brother, y'all have a great weekend, man. You too, buddy. So, Mike Wells of ESPN Radio there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. GG's Bar and Grill, Bud Light Blue Friday. I got stuff to give away. I'll explain. But let's get back to the phones at 239-1070 before the break. And John is up next. John? A little bit of a description of what you witnessed last night and where this Colts team is right now, sir. Hello. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you just talked to uh, Mr. Wells about a lot of uh, Ballard's flaws, and I think they're just getting exposed right now. Yeah. We went in this offseason, and we knew that left tackle and receiver were both an issue. Um, I don't know what we saw with the offensive line last night with that mix up obviously we discussed that's that's not working uh right but but even so when when brian had time these receivers weren't getting open we don't have that weapon uh and even so when we're getting down in these games even when jonathan taylor our best player is available we can't utilize our best player when we're down and we have to throw the ball to get back in the game and i think uh you know ballard has put us in this position that we are struggling to get out of and make something of this team. Yeah, and here and thank you for the call too. Have a great weekend. Um, Denver ended up being the team getting the pants last night, right? The Colts ended up winning, so you you have that. You put that in your back pocket. You roll with it. You don't apologize. That's all good. But the Colts and Chris Ballard and these incredible flaws with this team. Because remember, the national folks were probably higher on the Colts this year and for the foreseeable future than really a lot of us around here. That got exposed last night. Not only did that get exposed, but that got clowned. I mean, in-game jokes, clowning on the teams, clowning on the Colts, Fitz Magic at the half, clowning on the colors. Is there anything else we could watch? Oh, I need a free subscription to Amazon Prime to watch this. Just got clowned on basically the entirety of the game. So last night that got exposed. So now more people are privy to what I have been telling you about for a long time right here. A standalone Thursday night game, again, in front of that national audience. Now they know what I, what we have been talking about here. 
and how problematic that has become. Even with the win. Even with the win. All right, quick break, and we'll come back. 12-9 last night, Colts over the Broncos. GG's Bar and Grill, northeast side. We're at 71st and Graham Road, and I am looking for you. We got three pair of Jaguars Colts tickets to give away, eight pair of Michigan IU tickets for tomorrow as well. Ice cold Bud Light, great food at GG's. I'm just looking for you here, me and you and Jimmy, so we can root against the Cardinals, which hasn't worked because they just went Cardinals in the bottom half of the seventh inning and got themselves a lead over the Phillies. Quick break, and we'll come back. Bob Lovell brought to you by CarX, Don Fisher in the five. More me and you regarding the Colts last night at 239-1070. Next. The Ride with JMV. Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. GG's Bar and Grill. I love this place. Shout out to Jim, who just runs an absolute fantastic business. Good friend of mine. Great dude up here. 71st Graham Road around Benford. We are celebrating a Colts win. And then we are ripping slash roasting what in the world this team looks like even with a win. See, people say you can't do both. People say it has to be one or the other. Well, my ass, it doesn't. It can be both, and it should be both, because that is accurately what I have said so far today, accurately defines exactly where and what this team is right now. Celebrate that they're at the top of the division, 2-2-1, two, two, and one, but wonder what in the hell is going on, not just for the now, but for the future. It's okay to do both. Back your calls at 239-1070 in just a second inside the lounge via YouTube Live where the camera is up in studio. The camera is here, and I'm, I, mean, I guess I'm glad it's not on because it'd be, Devin, you notice that thing would be staring right at my crotch here. We might have to put a rated X or certainly an R rating on that if the camera was on here. It is on in studio. But, yeah, go ahead and get in there with Lickety. I don't know where Hass is. But Grifty and everybody else, Scott Smith and others in there, get in there and have some conversation. Have some fun. I'll be in there with you in just a second. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline, brought to you by CarX, 14 Central Indiana. Joe Childers on locations uh, in Central Indiana once again. CarX.com to find the one nearest you. High school football game of the week tonight. we got the pairing show on Sunday, and Bob Lovell's got his back-to-back shows on a Friday and Saturday he joins us now. Pairing show for you on Sunday, you and Paul. Paul Condry and I will be live from the IHSAA headquarters, 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock on Sunday night, John. Son of a gun. That just puts a huge wrinkle in your Sunday afternoon, Robert, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, it also puts a huge wrinkle in your Saturday and yes. uh, Sunday morning in terms of the preparation for it. You know, it's... Um, and we've done it for a long time, but there's an enormous amount of information. I think everybody can understand that you have to be able to uh, cite, get your hands on, make it sound like you know what you're talking about. So uh, there's a whole lot of prep involved in this, John. There really is. So Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk with us right now, brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana CarX locations. All right, games of interest for you tonight. What do you got on your mind? Well, I mean, I think they're they're really you know, here. You are week eight, right? And you're uh, battling for conference championships. You're trying to get momentum going into the tournament, and uh, 
I think there are a lot of really good games. Cathedral hosting Burbuff Jesuit. I think that's a, you know, a BJPS is number 10 in 4A. Cathedral is number 3 in 6A. Uh, you would give Cathedral, I think, a little bit of an edge, but it's a, a talented Burbuff team. Uh, I, I like that game a lot. I, I, I really think that uh, East Central at Garen Catholic, people don't know enough about East Central, the number three in 4A. Garen is number eight in 3A. That's a heck of a matchup right there. Hamilton Southeastern at Franklin Central. I love the Carmel Warren Central game anytime they play. Uh, ben Davis uh, hosting Lawrence Central. Great game. Fishers in Westfield, another great game. Maybe the best game in the state, John, might be Snyder and Dwinger up in Fort Wayne. That is uh, a battle of number one and number eight. And uh, everybody knows the history, um, the uh, fabled traditions of those programs. Yeah. And so that's a good one. I love the Lutheran Speedway matchup, too. So plenty of great games to see. Park Tudor and Covenant Christian, a couple teams ranked in, in uh, single A. Uh, so really, really good matchups all around, as you would expect, as you get ready to go into the tournament. So Bob Lovell with us, so no mention of uh, the more, I'm sure, than half a hundred that Lenton's going to put on my Thunderbirds tonight, right? <laughs> well, um, I mean, Linton is number one in, in 2A, so I'll just let you, uh, you're the graduate. I would think that it will be a very long night for the Thunderbirds, quite frankly, and it's yeah. clearly, you know, a, a Linton-Stockton team, it's been good for a long time. The last two or three years, they've believed that they've had a chance to play for a championship. As I mentioned, they're ranked number one going in, so um, could be a tough night for the Birds. Uh, yeah. Well, they're complaining at Eastern because there's a speaker that doesn't work at the field. I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's 49 to nothing, all right? So don't yeah, worry about it. they have bigger problems than a speaker <laughs> that doesn't work at the field. All right, um, got a lot going on, and then you got the pairing show with Paul Condry coming up on Sunday too, right? Sunday night, uh, everybody should be by their radio or uh, by their their uh, computer screen or however they want to get it all hooked up. It'll be streamed on the uh, IHSA Champions Network and the uh, radio network. Many of the great stations that carry my show on the weekend are part of that network, so. Um, it'll be, uh, it's fun. We start with 1A and we work our way up to 6A. And it's, yes. um, it's amazing to me to just be able to be somewhere next to Paul Condry and watch him work and show you how, how amazing he is. He knows every school, every coach. I literally think he knows most of the players in the state. And so he, he's, he's a phenomenon. You have to be able to experience it to really appreciate how good he is. My task is just to stay out of his way and not screw up. So uh, I like those. I like working with guys like that where I can just sit there and go, yeah, what do you think? Well, that's, uh, that's that, yeah. John, that's all I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm just going to go, Paul, your thoughts? <laughs> I've been rehearsing for quite a while on that. <laughs> that's a good play right there. Hey, we'll be listening, no doubt about that. It's always a pleasure. Uh, enjoy tonight and tomorrow night as well and then on Sunday and We'll dive into it as we get closer and closer to start of something special where we get into that tournament here in Indiana with the football season. Can't believe it's on the verge of being here, but it's pretty awesome nonetheless, Bob. I appreciate you. You're welcome, John. Thanks for having me as always. Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk, Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. He's brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana Car X locations. CarX.com. Shout out to Joe Childers. 
to find that location nearest you today. Um, Kyle, I have not been in studio in forever. What's the high school football game of the week? Do we? Oh, no, Pacers are on tonight, right? So there's not one, correct? Accurate? Correct. Yeah, Pacers yeah. are on tonight. There is no yeah. high school game. Yeah, you got it. Pacers and Knicks tonight. That tip is at 730. So we got to slide. We'll slide out of here at 7 anyway with the Colts um, happy hour. But Pacers-Knicks preseason game number two coming up later on tonight after that win in Charlotte a couple of nights ago. Got IU Michigan tickets for you here at GG's Bar and Grill. Uh, we've got Jaguars Colts tickets as well. It's a Bud Light Blue Friday. It's weird because we did that 12 er last night with the Colts win in Denver over the Broncos, and we're talking about it. And it's really odd because not only are we saying, hey, it's a great win, well done, but we also understand fully, and I've described to you just how bad this team is right now, even with that win. But we're talking about a win and talking about a Colts game on a Friday, a Bud Light Blue Friday. Jaguars, Colts tickets to give away. All right, let's reset. We'll come back with your calls at 239-1070 coming up on the other side. We'll look for you there. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher. That's a noon start in Bloomington for Michigan and IU. We got Don coming up and John Price, and I got a lot of me and a lot of you at 239-1070 or inside the lounge via YouTube Live. GG's. Bar and Grill, northeast side. We're at 71st and Graham Road on a Bud Light Blue Friday. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Down the boys, Prince. And. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Ryan out of the gun, drops the throw. And he is being harassed. He floats it downfield, and the pass is caught. Alec Pierce, what a great hang on by Pierce in plus territory. Makes the snag of the 46-yard line and a gain of 14 yards. Alec Pierce was the man last night. He was. We gave Alec Pierce a shout-out. Chase McLaughlin, Grover Stewart, Kenny Moore with a big play in the end zone. Stephon Gilmore. Uh, Again, that was the reason why they brought him in, to make plays like that. Colts win. 12-9, 12-9, fantastic. Colts looked stinking terrible last night. Not so fantastic. And that's kind of the way that it is. That's what we've talked about today. Talk about getting a win and then getting clowned on Amazon Prime last night like they did. Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet. You know, Kirk Herbstreet was really kind of in on them a couple of different times. And then that halftime show, who is that? Uh, Fitzmagic and... Richard Sherman, Tony Gonzalez. I, I would have turned it off right after Tony Gonzalez said something like the, the horse and around line he gave. I'm like, yeah, hey, take it easy there. Yeah, somebody brought up the fact that a couple of Denver nerds said, apologized to their viewers. You know what? No, don't. That was unique and original content. There's probably radio consultants out there chomping at the bit telling me how great that is. It's unique and original I enjoyed it. I honestly did. Now, Kyle's different back at the station. Kyle, you didn't enjoy it, right? Oh, if if it wasn't the Colts playing, I would have been in bed by halftime. It was just absolutely Well, I mean, brutal. yeah. I, I probably would have, too. Because, But I was in, you know, I'm invested. Because this is the team that everybody around here loves and wants to talk about. Uh, that's my job to do it. So we're invested in it. But I would agree with you. If that's Chicago and Washington next week. 
Yeah, I bail on that. There's no question about it. But because it did pertain to the Colts, I was invested. I didn't mind it. The thing that I mind is how this team is constructed and, and what it actually looks like. Just beyond the win. Yes. It felt like Iowa offense playing Iowa offense. It, it, was, it seemed like it was the, the most difficult thing in the world to move the ball more than three yards at a time. It felt to me like a game in the late 1970s where you would have two really small barefoot kickers come out and like decide the game. Like Tony Frisch and Tony Franklin would come out there and decide the game with no shoes or socks on. Why don't we see barefoot kickers anymore? When did that stop becoming a thing? Do you remember barefoot? You, you probably don't even remember, right? There's not been, who was the last barefoot kicker? Anybody in here know? I'm looking here at Gigi's Bar and Grill with some of the most intelligent people on the northeast side. And I've got zero answers going. I see a bunch of blank stares. Was it Rich what? Carless? Careless? Rich Carless? Yeah. Of the former Denver Broncos right there? Barefoot. We, I don't think we have enough knowledge on barefoot kickers. But, no, seriously, that's what it felt like last night was one of those types of, you know, late 1970s games. Got to win. Ugly, and the state of the Colts is not good right now, as I've talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, the offensive line's a joke. You know, doing what they did in a short week was a joke. It just was. You know, believing in for Chris Ballard that, that Matthew Pryor is going to be sustainable on either edge is a joke. We'll tell you what right now, Danny Pinter, Danny Pinter needs to get the start over Ryan Kelly. It probably won't go down that way, but that's what's necessary. And you say what you want about Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's not any good either. So, I mean, he's not. He's not. So a couple of the worst interceptions outside of the guy that he was playing against last night and Russell Wilson. I mean, some of the worst passes we did see last night. Yet it was a win, so it's both sides. Celebrate that, but you can talk about the state of the team, which is clearly, even at 2-2-1, two and two and one, is not good considering that slog last night. All right, 239-1070. Don Fisher coming up a little bit later on this hour. Chris is up next. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, JMV? I'm great. If the Cardinals blow this game one of this three-game wild card, I'd be even more thrilled. That may give me a sports <laughs> arousal. I may get aroused sports-wise in front of everybody here at GG's if that happens. <laughs> I'm hoping. got well, my fingers crossed. I want to go ahead and... Uh... I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to talk about the game because the game was just abysmal. What I'd like to talk about is Frank Reich's post-game speech to the team in the locker room. I don't know if you got a chance to catch the video of him talking to the team after the win. I mean, at the end of the day, it does go down as a W. But for him to come and say to the team that you were great in all three phases is just blowing smoke up the butt of it is. the team – and the fan base, I, I can't take anything away because holding any NFL team three points is, is an accomplishment. Kicker was fantastic. But to say for great all three phases, it, it's just laughable. And, it is. And, and, and play call during the game, I'm sorry, I haven't played a down since I played for the kicker in Plainfield in high school. For me, I can predict it's going to do from my every play. It's pathetic. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, on, on yeah that. Chris, thank you very much. I'll be honest with you. That moment where Reich, where Reich got a little heated on the spot of the ball that they challenged and then was overturned and Reich was right, I, I like that. And I know you're not going to completely turn over and you're never going to say anything publicly against anybody as a part of your team or that organization, but yeah. And see, that's where we kind of find ourselves today. We find ourselves going, hey, they won. That's fantastic. Hey, they're at top of the division. That's fantastic. But where they are, or as I mentioned earlier, the state of the team, that's the, what's problematic right now. I mean, significantly problematic is where that is. Without question. Offensive line starting. Like Alec Pierce, I thought was great. I thought Alec Pierce was incredibly ballsy in what he did. I mean, he made some plays as a rookie. That was studly. It was. You know, I mentioned those guys that I thought played well last night. But, man, if you're looking for what you thought you were going to see or if you're wanting more, honestly, I can't see them giving it to you offensively. You think it's going to get much better than this? I also will say this, as I mentioned this earlier in the show, I was just screaming at halftime, please, please, shorter routes, maybe some crossers, maybe a slant. Get some quick weather stuff going because this offensive line can't pass protect for a second. Please. It looked like on that final drive they did a little bit of that. That's, that's what's going to be necessary. I mean, they developed that with Phillip Rivers. It says Matt Ryan's different because Matt Ryan's a drop back guy. Takes Matt Ryan a little bit longer than one second he has in protection to make a decision, but they better come correct. You've got to change something up offensively. And here's, before you go, hey, this is crazy. They're not going to be able to do that. Is it any more crazy than what they did with the offensive line last night? Like, I blame the Colts and their coaching and Chris Ballard equally as I do to Matthew Pryor. Matthew Pryor last night was the butt of jokes. But it's as much their fault in believing he's a left tackle or a right tackle as much their fault as it is his. Don't put him in that position. As much theirs as it is his. Chris, thank you for the call. You have a fantastic weekend. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers in a minute. John hits us up at 239-1070. Hello, John. Hi, Danby. How you doing? Great, John. Thank you for the call. Go ahead. Good. First time caller, but I listen to you every day coming home from work. That's beautiful, um, man. Beautiful. But this Colts is just pathetic. And for them to act like that yesterday was a big deal, which was awful, and they talk about the defense, the defense should have played well because they was playing a team just like us with the offense. It's just it's <laughs> yeah, awful. They did, yeah. They you did. I mean, yeah, you're right. So you're right about yeah, that. But I, I am trying to give credit where credit is due. And the defense, some guys made some defensive plays. So you do have to give them credit. Yeah, yeah I, I I agree, but I mean, it just said all around. You you can't talk about three phases of gameplay. Well, it's just that's just pretty sad. Yeah, and I just like I said, the state of the team right now. Thank you for the call. Have a great weekend, John. Uh, I you, you talk about the state of the team, and, and what you're going to say is, well, they're two two and one, and as of right now, they're the the leader in the AFC South. That's fine. I'm talking about the real state of the team, the look of the team, the play of the team, the direction of the team, the build of the team. What you're getting. After watching what you've seen offensively, and not just last night, but just factor in really everything, what do you actually now expect? They entered last night 
as the worst offense in the NFL. What do you think that's going to be ranked by PFF when Ben Brown comes on next Tuesday? Like, I think Alec Pierce can improve. Jonathan Taylor, once he gets back, sure. There were running lanes there last night. That's one thing the offensive line did create some of those. Oh, well, that's, that's too bad, Cardinals. Oh, we got a tie ball game right there. Game one of a best of three right now. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Is that 3-2? Philly scored two on that? Whoa. Uh-oh. I tell you what, hang tight. I'll get back to that. I'm not going to do any play-by-play for you. Cardinals trail now, 3-2, to two, top of the ninth inning, game one, best of three wild card in St. Louis. I want to give you my fake sad face about that. Uh, Mariners three, Blue Jays nothing right now. Where are they right now? Top of fourth inning, is that where they are? Okay. Yeah, somewhere in the neighborhood of the fourth inning. I think Kyle Rowley, their catcher, had a two-run shot in that game. Uh, we'll get you updated. And by the way, Cleveland won a little bit earlier over Tampa Bay. Back to your calls and more regarding the Colts and that win last night and how that game looked. But first things first, you got Michigan-IU coming up tomorrow. 11 a.m., your coverage downstairs on WIBC with the pregame show. Noon is the kick, and our good friend Don Fisher, who is, I'm sure, chilling at home right now down in Greenwood with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Are we chilling right now, Don? Uh, just getting ready to take off to head up to Chittard to see a little football tonight. Oh, yeah. Now, you did, did you watch the Colts game again? Did you tape it last night when you watched it and <laughs> watched it again this morning? <laughs> no, I didn't tape it. I did watch a good portion of it. Um, and actually, I watched almost all of it. Uh, hey, Don. Uh, Don, I was, th- I was thinking about you because I, I think – when in, in terms of bad offensive line play from somebody that's watched it as much as you have, you're probably a genius on it by now. Well, I uh, definitely have some wisdom about it. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and I saw, obviously, evidence of that from the Colts last night as well. Man, oh, man. Oh, you know what, uh, John? It just boils down to this. Uh, <laughs> it boils down to players. And... Um, and, and coaching, of course, uh, there's no doubt about yeah. that. But it, it just boils down to execution, and and there's no there's no question. Last night was not uh, an executable performance from the offensive line for the Colts. No doubt about it. I said this a little bit earlier, though. I quite enjoyed it. And obviously, I'm invested, right? But I quite enjoyed it because, if for nothing else, it was incredibly original. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's a very nice way to put it. <laughs> that is really good, John. I mean, I, 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 you know, a talk show host that just tries to be politically correct is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> For nothing else, it was original. No, well, I mean, it, I've been on, obviously, I've been on the state of this team and, uh, you know, the, the future, the, especially the short-term future of this team, especially with the offensive line. Because that has been a huge failure, Don, and uh, that's how they're built. And yep. uh, you, there's no upward motion, no upward movement if you're built like that. So that's well, problematic. Me, I, I'm well aware. I'm well aware of that, as you know. Um, <laughs> you know, you know a little bit about that. Yes, I do. I mean, we've been struggling with the offensive line for several years now, and it's. Uh, it's going to get tested big time tomorrow when they take on a Michigan team that has played really, really well so far this season. Uh, you know, I, and I'll say this in my pregame tomorrow, but Michigan is always good. I mean, always. Yeah. They are really good. 
but sometimes they're trending on great, and this might be one of those uh, trends right now with them because they've got, based on what I've seen so far, they've got the tools to be a Big Ten champion. That doesn't mean that they will be, but they've got the tools. And, uh, you know, I would think that if anybody's looking at Michigan right now, you'd have to say that they are one of the favorites of the Big Ten without question. What they bring to the table offensively more than anything else? I mean, a team that consistently loves to run the ball, there's no doubt about that. But they can become dynamic in that passing game with Jim Harbaugh's squad as well. Well, J.J. McCarthy has kind of transformed them into that vein. Uh, Cade McNamara had the starting position on the opening game of the season. He and McNamara, McCarthy I'm talking about, uh, those two guys battled it out last year. McNamara won out most of the time. I think he played most of the snaps last season. But McCarthy did play some. He showed some bright lights at times, and then they battled it for the uh, opener this year. McNamara got the, to the uh, obviously the hit, the nod from Jim Harbaugh, but then they changed immediately in game two. And uh, there's no question McCarthy, I think, has won that spot. And he can not only beat you with his arm, he can beat you with his legs. He is talented. He's just a sophomore. He's got tremendous upside. Uh, he's still learning his way a little bit. He makes a few mistakes, but then who doesn't at this level? And uh, I, I think that their balance in the offense and defense, or the balance in the offensive run game and passing game, are just almost dynamic in the sense that they're almost statistically dead even over 240 or 50 yards in both yeah. categories. Um, their their defense is getting not heralded all that much, but you know what? They're holding their opponents to like an average of 252 yards a game and only 94 yards on the ground. Now, that wouldn't be saying anything if you're playing Indiana because the offensive uh, rushing uh, statistics for IU are pathetic. But at the same time, when you look at what Michigan's doing, both with their pass defense and their run defense, it's a pretty spectacular performance up to this point in the season. And granted, they haven't played the best. But at the same time, well, they, they beat an Iowa team that can defend against anybody, and they put 27 up against them and uh, out-dueled Maryland, who's going to put points on the scoreboard against anybody this year, and Indiana's got them next week. Uh, I, I just think this is going to be a real test for this IU football team tomorrow in the sense that just to make it competitive, they're going to have to play their best football. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, 11 a.m., the pregame show. Noon is the kick. 93 WIBC has your coverage. A uh, couple of uh, final thoughts regarding Nebraska last Saturday night. Um, yeah, obviously defense late, not so great. No, it really wasn't. But it, it, really it was the start of the ball game that, where the defense failed dramatically. Um, I mean, they gave up 21 points in that first half. It, it they They – they struggled to get the football offensively, but part of this, part of the struggle, John, is defensive backfield that's supposed to be your most talented group and the most experienced by far on this football team. And the best guys in this team are making mistakes that are just critical. I mean, they give up a three-play drive on the first possession for Nebraska, uh, including a 34-yard pass for a touchdown. How do you do that? I mean, if you're defensive backs are part of the best part of your team. And they are. Taiwan Mullen and Jalen Williams are really good corners. Devon Matthews is a terrific safety. And, and likewise, Brian Fitzgerald. But I'm just telling you, I, these guys are all experienced guys. And then you've got a guy that gets past you 15 yards. 
and is uncovered yeah. as he goes into the end zone. I mean, that just doesn't make sense. So I don't know if it's scheme, if they're if they're doing something different. What I do know is they're not they're not producing what they have to produce on the defensive side of the ball. And then part of the reason they're not very good in the second half, John, is because the defense is on the field for most of the ball game. You know, in the second half, they wore out. I mean, your offense has got to be able to move the football, especially with a high tempo play that Indiana puts on the field. Uh, A one, two, three and out kills you. And and Indiana had so many of those last week. I think there were three of 15 on third down conversions. You can't, I mean, (laughs) I mean, you're just basically handing the defense an impossible scenario, especially if you're a little bit suspect in any way, shape or form on the defensive side of the ball. So it's very concerning at this point. This is a team that three is three and two. They won their first three games. None of them were inspirational performances. And yet, uh, they had two comeback wins that were dramatic and one comeback win that wasn't so dramatic against Idaho that everybody knew they were probably going to win the game. And they scored 29 unanswered points after the half when they were down. But right now, there's so many question marks in this football team, and it's not enhanced by the fact that they've got so many guys hurt right now. D.J. Matthews, Cam Camper, both out of last week's ball game. Obviously, they got Zach Carpenter, the center, back in as a guard last week because he still, still can't snap the ball. So he's probably playing out of position a little bit. Mike Cady, could they moved into the center spot, certainly playing out of position. He hasn't played hardly at all at center. But they just felt those are the best five guys they could put on the field. And still, they weren't able to open holes for the run game. With the exception of one guy, Jalen Lucas, the true freshman who comes in, and dramatically helps him down the field with a 34-yard run and carries the ball three times in the football game and then doesn't see the pigskin again for the rest of the contest. And I still don't understand that one. And, of course, they've talked about they definitely going to play him more this week and more this season because he's dynamic and all those. Well, why wasn't he on the field in the second half of that ball game? <laughs> yeah. I just don't get that. So, anyway, I'm belly aching here and <laughs> whining and moaning and, and uh, I still think this is a football team that can turn this thing around, but they're going to have their hands full doing it tomorrow. It's Don Fisher, a little bit of belly aching and a lot of knowledge for you coming up tomorrow. It's all right. Sometimes you got to do some belly aching. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I'm probably better at that than anybody if you ask my wife. <laughs> I cannot believe that. Not at all. Not at all. All right. So 11 a.m. tomorrow morning, pregame show. Noon is the kick. And uh, the voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, on his way to check out Chittard later on this evening. Correct? Yes, sir. Grandson's right. still playing. He's playing really well for him. So I'm, I'm excited. Hey, um, and by the way, when you're, on, when you're rolling up there, make sure you turn me on here so you can hear me rip more on the offensive line. Okay? Make sure. <laughs> I'll see if you can be as diplomatic as I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do some belly, some more belly aches coming at you on the way. <laughs> All right, man. All right. You got it, buddy. Thanks, Don. See you, John. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, 11 a.m. Pre-game show, 93 WIBC, coming up tomorrow. we got tickets for that, by the way, too. I'm going to give away a couple here in just a second. Actually, I got to give away some Michigan IU tickets in just a bit. Gigi's Bar and Grill, Bud Light Blue Friday. Kyle, I want to get back to a couple of calls, if we're cool, before we get to a break here, if that's all right with you. Is uh, Elijah still on the board here, Kyle? Yes, he is. 
Elijah, 239-1070, join the party. Yo, JMV, what's going on, my man? What is happening? Okay, first off, I just want to say shout out Gilly Locked. He's him. He got the dog in him. That's why you go out and sign a guy like that. He's won us two games. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about something that Wells, because I was listening while uh, Wells was on earlier. I like Mike Wells. But this idea of tanking, especially in the NFL, it's not like the N- NBA, all right? You don't just fire sale guys at the trade deadline, close up shop half of the year, and tank for a guy. There is no generational talent in this upcoming draft. So for the Colts to punt the season when you are 2-2-1 two, two, and one is a bit ridiculous. And I do want to talk about uh, also Matt Ryan. Um, and I know stats can be misleading, but he is leading the league in passing yards as of right now. And I know that's not going to be – the case when the rest of the week is over, but he's still going to be in the top five, probably top four before last night started. Yeah, he looked bad last night. The interceptions were rough. Um, But the fact that he's putting up these kind of numbers with this offensive line is extremely impressive. And when it mattered, he led the, the offense down the field to tie the game and take the lead. And that's what you need out of guys like Matt Ryan. I will say I've watched all 22 of every single game this year. There are five plays that I can I could point out that would make this team four and one. Literally. Everything but the Jacksonville game came down to one or two plays. So people want to talk about, oh, we could have lost to Kansas City. Oh, we could have lost to Denver. Okay, well, we could have beat one every other game other than Jacksonville. And the narrative of this season is a complete one eighty. But no, what what was the narrative again? So the narrative right now, the season is the team looks bad, and it does absolutely. You can't argue against that. Two, two, and one right. is disappointing, absolutely, hundred percent. Matt Ryan has made some questionable decisions. His inability to get rid of the ball, which you can argue is receivers, you can argue it's the offensive line not playing well. What, whether or not that's true or not, he's got too many fumbles and the interceptions. At least last night were a bit concerning with the decision making because that's apparently supposed to be his strong point, right? And you have people like Mike Wells and like other people, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of different Colts fans. They want to punt the season away. I, no, I, yeah, I, I, I get what you're talking about there. I, I do. I get what you're talking about there. And I will say this about this offense. I was screaming at the halftime. But this protection, I mean, you've got to go shorter routes, quicker rhythm. You've got to well, do something different. Ball. And, yeah, and, and that it looked like that they did that a little bit on the final drive. But they even came mm-hmm. out of the half still doing that straight drop and – I mean, he didn't have a second before he was under siege, so I, I didn't understand why they waited if they did make that change as long as they did. But I agree with you on the punting of the season. Like, I, to me, I look at it as this way. I look at it as two and two and one. All right? You're right there. But the problem I have is that the foundation and where you're supposed to be is much lower and Again, it's crumbling with this offensive line. You've got to think about financially how much stake they have in these guys. And these guys in particular, Elijah, are failing them miserably right now. And there's no way out of that. Not now and then not in the short-term future. That is what is problematic. That's what's problematic even further beyond the fact that they won a game last night against Denver on Thursday night, they're two and two and one. You know what I mean? You can look at it both ways, and I think you have to, because if you don't, I'm not doing you guys a service on what is actually going on with this team, because that is what's going on. No, absolutely. There is uh, the number one problem of this team this year 
has been coaching. Poor coaching decisions, play calling wise, and personnel decisions have cost this team wins this year. Straight up. And on top of that, yes, Ballard's inability to go out and put the money in the right places has cost this team wins and has cost this team the future. There is no foundation on this offensive line. I am sorry as a Notre Dame fan, as a lover of Quentin Nelson, he should have never gotten that contract. Ryan Kelly, and and God bless him and his family, as someone who has been through the same thing that he has, losing a child or losing a sibling, in my case, at birth like that is devastating. And I think since that has happened, his head has probably not been in the game. And that's not going to – I'm not going to blame him for that at all whatsoever. But it's undeniable, A, keeping with guys like Pryor over the offseason is a joke. But giving way too much money to Smith and way too much money to Quentin Nelson has screwed this team because you can't move Nelson now. I will say, honestly, they should have traded Nelson before the extension. They really should have. You could have gotten two or three good quality offensive linemen for him and maybe a second or third round pick. And then you plug those guys in, and it's much better than putting all that money at the left guard, which I'm sorry does not matter. Left guard doesn't do anything for you, and he is not good enough to just slide over and play left tackle. That's not how it works if you know how the big are the, the differences between that position and left guard. Hey, Elijah, have a great weekend. Here's the thing. The gauge that you have of your Chris Ballard on believing that Matthew Pryor was going to be a workable solution to left tackle is laughable. It's even laughable at right tackle. And that is the proverbial straw that stirs the drink. Mm-hmm. All right. It's not the – and thank you for the call. Have a great weekend, Elijah. I appreciate you. It's not the uh, – you know, it's not the – what they call the transformational left guard, whatever any of that is. But it all starts, especially with a 37-year-old quarterback, with your left tackle. And they made things worse with what they did with that starting lineup last night. And it's going to be interesting to see where they go after this now. Might Dennis Kelly be able to get involved? They just appear to not have a solution here. And again, this is the this is the building block. It's the foundation of this team. If that's bust, this team is bust. It's the only way you can look at it. Even with that win last night. Gigi's Bar and Grill, Bud Light Blue Friday. I've got tickets to give away. Michigan IU tomorrow. Jaguars, Colts a week from Sunday. Three pair of those coming up. Get your scoreboard update on these wild card Major League Baseball games. John Price and your calls also still to come at 239-1070. This is 93.5-1075 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Are you kidding? You think I'd join this crummy snobatorium? But this whole place sucks. That's right, it sucks. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Gigi's Bar and Grill, you know how much I love you guys? Seriously, all of you? I'm giving away stuff here. I'm going to dive back in to the cult stuff, the, the good with the win and the bad with basically most, not all, but most of everything else. And I want to make sure Don Fisher is on the way to the Chittard game and gets to listen to me do that coming up just a little bit later on meantime as he always does this time on a friday john price joins us 866-441-2711 that's sportsinformationtraders.com john welcome in on the andy moore automotive group hotline fairly interesting i guess or maybe not <laughs> last night on thursday night football for this local team 
Yes, it was. Uh, we had the under in the game last night, which won rather easily. And I yeah. have to tell you, congratulations to the Indianapolis Colts. They are now 5-0 and on unders. Unders. Really? Five. Yep, five games, five unders. The Niners and Bengals all have four games, four unders. The stat was the Niners, Bengals, and Colts all have four games that have gone under, and last night the Colts made it five. So that's a, that's a trend to keep your eye on. The Atlanta Falcons are a perfect 4-0 against the spread. They're the only undefeated team in the NFL against the spread. And, of course, in college football, while we're on the topic, because we rounded out September, we're in October, Kansas and Arkansas State are the only two teams undefeated at 5-0 and against the spread. So I got to tell you, you know, I know everybody in Indianapolis is focused on the Colts. There's a ton of value that's out there right now. Our job as a company at Sports Information Traders and SportsInformationTraders.com is to identify that value. Last week we came on the air. We talked about five games, $149 with a three-game guarantee. We did it two weeks ago. We did it last week. We were successful both weekends, and we're going to do it one more time this week for the people who still want to see it for themselves. Five games, $149 is all that it costs you with a guarantee that we will win at least three of these five plays, or you will get the next 60 days of service with my company for free. You can access the games and purchase them right now at our website, sportsinformationtraders.com. Forget all the other companies that you've heard and read about. This is your $149 chance to see what everybody else is learning. There is no better company in the business than ours. Go to sportsinformationtraders.com. It's uh, John Price with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. TCU in Kansas is what you're eyeballing collegiately tomorrow. Yeah, I think that's going to be a great football game. You know, these two teams have great offenses and, you know, Kansas, for the first time in years, is hosting a big football game. Basketball, we've seen it. But football, that's where the ESPN game day set is going to be. The line, TCU, minus seven right now. Everyone's going to be watching that game. Jalen Daniels, the Kansas offense, have been unbelievable. Max Dugan and the TCU offense just slaughtered Oklahoma last week. There's a lot going on here. The last time the Jayhawks beat a top 25 team was in 2010 it's been 45 games so they're looking to snap that streak the total in this game is 68 and a half points i think it's going to be a fun exciting track meet of a football game so i'm going to take the over 68 and a half points in the kansas tcu game everyone will be watching that game tomorrow it's not one of our five plays folks and i got to tell you we've gotten a great response from the people of Indianapolis. Of course, it helps when the Colts win. You get that win out of the way on Thursday night. Now you can exhale. Let this be the weekend that you try us. It's $149 for five plays. I don't care if you bet 1000 a game, $2,000 a game. When you call in, it's $149. Let these five plays speak for me and my company with a guarantee. If we don't win at least three of these five plays, you will get the next two months of service with my company for free. The pressure is on me. We delivered two weeks ago. We delivered last week. This week, I don't think we're going to lose a single football game. Go to our website, sportsinformationtraders.com. Sign up for the five plays. Everything starts tomorrow, and we get it rolling together.
That's John Price right there, sportsinformationtraders.com. Every single Friday at this time, he joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Hey, John, have a spectacular weekend, and we'll do it again next Friday. Yes, we will. Thanks so much. John Price right there, sportsinformationtraders.com. GG's Bar and Grill, 71st and Graham Roads, our location. Bud Light Blue Friday, we got Jaguars Colts tickets to give away coming up. I want you guys to be a part of it. Colts happy hour, top of the hour. Colts win 12-9 last night. Uh, one of the worst games, I guess, uh, by many, although I kind of enjoyed it. I don't know if it was kind of just a, an odd fact that I, I enjoyed it, kind of a laughing matter in which I enjoyed it. But there was a little bit of enjoyment for me last night. Uh, but the only thing I don't enjoy is the direction of this team, the build, the foundation of this team, and especially with the offensive line, especially with the quarterback. And the guy gave shout-outs to the defensive position, stepped up, or there's you know, Grover Stewart on special teams, Stephon Gilmore, just huge last night. You know exactly why they got him for that very reason. Actually, plural, those very reasons. Kenny Moore had a nice play in the end zone, too. DeForest Buckner, a couple of sacks. Yannick Ngakwe, a sack. They did put on pressure. Uh, they were also playing against what was one of the worst teams we've ever seen. And the second worst may have been the Colts last night, too. Yet they got a win. They got a win. Problem is, you wonder where this team is going right now, especially with that offense. 239-1070 is the number. More of your reaction. Let's go to uh, Michael. Michael, join us. How are you? Hey, JMB. What's going on? How you doing, Michael? Great to hear from you. So far, so good. Um, My name, well, sorry, my son, Wolfie, calls every... Saturday about six o'clock. I know you know who I'm talking about. Oh, about six o'clock on the JMV takeover. Oh yeah. Now, now, um, has he called before? Yeah, Wolfie. He's uh, six years old. He calls every Saturday about. That's you know, Wolfie. Six o'clock. Yeah, I love I dad. love Wolfie. Now, well, I hadn't heard from Wolfie in two or three weeks. Yeah. I wondered. Yeah. We just busy on Saturdays. He's got soccer and things like that. I just wanted I to, for you to give him a shout out. He's he, that's his favorite part of every Saturday. And I wanted. Oh man, I love, I love, and the listeners love Wolfie. And I don't know if you listened earlier this week to this show, but Rick Carlisle and Larry Bird actually caught some of it, apparently on Saturday. So we're we're gaining oh, we're, listeners as we move along here with the JMV takeover. Big time listeners. It's great. It's it's seriously his favorite part of the week. So that's awesome. Really well, thank you for putting him on. Yeah, uh, I love we we love Wolfie. Um, as far as the Colts go, you know, I heard the comparison between the Colts and the Pacers. How the Pacers said, "Hey, what are we? This is what we're doing. We're we're shutting it down. We're rebuilding." And I feel like the Colts kind of need to do the same. This Matt Bryant situation is just another band-aid over the flesh wound that we've been seeing for the last seven years, and so. What's your thoughts about what we're supposed to do moving forward? Yeah. Um, hey, by the way, tell Wolfie I said hello as well. Uh, with the Pacers? Absolutely. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, I, here's what's funny, Michael. I don't make much of a comparison. The, the Pacers are doing something right now. Uh, they're trying to keep it on the down low, but they're doing something to try to get better with younger talent. The problem is with the Colts, they're supposed to be in win-now mode. And while they won last night, it's not like the bar is set very high here for this team. And that's what's problematic. And that's what I have kind of told you, talked to you about this team, how it's been constructed. 
and the letdown factor of the major portion of it. And, and you saw that again last night. They got a win, and while that's great, you just kind of wonder, especially when you play better teams, how this is going to look. I just I didn't think last night with the lack of offense, I don't think that that is just, you know, oh, it's just a bad night. Their offense is the worst in the NFL. Looked even worse last night. That is now becoming just who they are, which is incredibly problematic. Eric is next at 239-1070. Eric, join the show. How are you? I'm good. Go ahead. I believe the Colts messed up when they got rid of Carson Wentz over Matt Ryan. So what he struggled when he in the playoffs, but they should never got rid of Carson Wentz. Well, listen, you look at the uh, interception category right now, and you look at the level of play, you can make that argument. There's no doubt about that. I, I don't know if they would be any better with wins. And, you know, again, most of the issue even, came, even, it came from George. the owner. And it, it, was, it was a lot of things. It was, you know, people say, well, it's because he wasn't vaxxed. I'm sure that, that the whole vax, vaccination, non-vaccination thing played a role. What they viewed as a lack of leadership played a role. There was a lot in it. But I, I agree, this change this change certainly hasn't worked for the better. There's no question. Look at Carolina. They should have kept Jacoby, Jacoby Brissett. They didn't want to give him a chance. They never let him start. They always wanted to keep him as a backup. Jacoby Brissett is a very good quarterback. His interception what? rate is low. As long as we're second-guessing here, Eric, and thank right. you for the call. Yeah, you have a, have a great weekend. As long as we're second-guessing. What they should have done is not traded 13 for DeForest Buckner. If you really want to get down to it, and they should have started the clock and drafted a quarterback. At some point, they should have tried to maneuver to draft their future quarterback. Not play around with Jacob Eason. Not mess around with Sam Ellinger. Not put a Band-Aid after Band-Aid of veteran older quarterbacks. But if you really want to get down to it, with the way this team is constructed, what they should have really done is just gone after their future quarterback in the draft, which they will do this year. But if you're really going to second guess at the quarterback position what this team should have done, what they should have done organizationally, that's what they should have done. That's it. All right, quick break, and we'll come back. GG's Bar and Grill. More of your calls to close it out. Colts Happy Hour, top of the hour. Bud Light, Blue Friday, on hand with three pair of Jaguars Colts tickets to give away. That's a week from Sunday at Lucas Oil Stadium. We got that and more Michigan IU tickets to give away for tomorrow down in Bloomington as well. Cardinals fall. How about the Phillies put up six in the top of the ninth inning, which, according to ESPN, is the most scored by a trailing team going into the final inning in postseason history. The Phillies put up six and beat the Cardinals six to three was the final earlier today. Game one, best of three, wild card. Earlier in the day, Cleveland over Tampa Bay. Ongoing right now, the Mariners a four-nothing advantage over the Toronto Blue Jays. And you get the Padres and the Mets coming up later on tonight. But you updated on everything. That and more from GG's. We're on the northeast side on a Bud Light Blue Friday with 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 
The Ride with JMV. I want savages on the field. I want to lead the league in broken ribs. I want to put people in the hospital legally. Nobody in the head. I want them to cry and be scared to play us. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Denver one for one tonight on fourth down. They're still going for it. They break the huddle. They're in Shotgun again. formation. Gordon is the back. Wilson out of the gun. Ball in the near hash. Shotgun snap. Wilson looking, dancing, scanning. Throws into the end zone. It's broken Got up. It. It's broken Got up. It. The Colts win. Ball game. Stephon Gilmore with the pass the break. The game. Ball game. I-N-D-Y. Colts win. A fourth down stop in overtime. Matt Taylor right there with the call. 2-2-1. Two, two and one. Now on the season, the Colts, Thursday night football, the standalone that was clowned by a nation last night of football viewers. 12-9 was the final in uh, what was uh, far from anything good other than the final score and the win. That was basically it. But again, as I mentioned too, Chase McLaughlin was really good last night. Four field goals in all, 12 points scored. Alec Pierce was huge, especially late. You know, I mentioned to Stephon Gilmore, DeForest Buckner, Kenny Moore, Grover Stewart. I mean, there were some good individual plays, but it was incredibly rough and not good and bad. Fortunate to get a win, which they did. But the path in which they're on right now with this team is... As I've been telling you, highly questionable for that level of expectations. No doubt about that. Gigi's Bar and Grill, northeast side, 71st and Graham Road on a Bud Light Blue Friday. We'll start giving away some Jaguars Colts tickets coming up in just a bit. Kevin writes this, Colts offense should start every game like it's the two-minute drill. Listen, I was screaming at the half last night, please. Some short routes, some quick rhythm throws, something, anything. Well, that's not what Matt Ryan does. Who gives a damn? I know what he does. He gets sacked and he fumbles. I know what he gets. Can we do that? I thought that they did that late. You know, maybe that's not what they did. I thought they did that late. If you can do that late, can you do that earlier? Can you give this awful pass-protecting offensive line a little bit of help? An offensive line that, again, has been put together and then had to be re-put together last night, which is, was even worse than what we have seen. Matthew Pryor, Matthew Pryor has been talked about, gave up nine pass pressures last night. Wow, that is horrible. Wow, you look at that and you go, why is this dude on the field? That is equally, equally the fault of Chris Ballard, equally the fault of Frank Reich for putting that guy who's clearly not up to the task in that situation for starting that guy at left tackle at the beginning of the season, if you're Chris Ballard, that's what you're going to lean on. So as much as you want to blame Matthew Pryor, as much as he'd been clowned upon, yeah, you blame the general manager, you blame the head coach. Guy should not be on the field. He was awful last night. Bernard Ryman, he's going to be a rookie, and he's going to struggle, there's no doubt. He was caught somewhere last night in those four penalties between living a nightmare and wanting to vomit. You can see that. They got to win. Look terrible in the process. 
in most ways, but got to win. Jay's up next at 239-1070. Hello, Jay. How are you? What's up, John? Sounds like you're having a great time at Gigi's. I love Gigi's, Jay. You know that as a North Sider and a JMV Takeover listener, you know it. Hey, short time. What do you got here, Jay, quickly? Yeah, I, I would like to see Matt Ryan utilize the tight ends more because I knew he threw to a great tight end in Tony Gonzalez in Atlanta, but he doesn't use Mo Alley-Cox. Mo Alley-Cox only caught one catch. And Paris Campbell only well, caught one catch. Hey, hey, Jay, and thank you for the call. I'll talk to you tomorrow night. Well, the week prior, I mean, Sunday they did. Sunday was the best afternoon, best day in forever for the Colts tight ends. Last night, last night was a great example of just how awful that offense can be on a standalone nationally televised night in which the Colts still got a win. We'll talk about that coming up next. Colts happy hours on the way live from Gigi's Bar and Grill, Bud Light Blue Friday. We'll start giving away Jaguars Colts tickets, too, coming up. Do not leave. Back with you next.